Hi, and welcome to Save Your Sorry. If this is your first time joining us, we talk about the rise and fall of celebrities. I'm your host, Jose, with my co-host, Katrina Rochelle. (laughs) This is episode 20, and I can't believe we made it this far without you quitting, Katrina. You know what? I don't like how you just came up and and just attacked me straight off the intro. I'm solid. (laughs) But who shall we be discussing today? All right. All right. So today is a doozy. (laughs) I ain't going (laughs) to lie to you. Uh, What we're going to talk about is not particularly happy and all that, but, you know, we got to put the information out there, uh, whether you already know about it, if you want to know some more, we'll give you more details. But today we're going to be talking about the subway man himself, Jared Fogle. Ooh. So you're a Subway person, right? You're one of their number one supporters. I would not say I'm a number one supporter. I've eaten them twice this year, and one of those times was this week. Damn, that's a shame. (laughs) You don't know how many times I've had Subway this year? How many? Zero. (laughs) But I don't mess with them. I so don't, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but yeah, I don't mess with Subway. I don't think the scandal has to do with Subway per se. It was their spokesperson. Oh, really? You don't think that? Did I, you do this research? I, I did not. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, you. I don't know what's going to happen, what's going to come out of my mouth, but I'm just saying, you can't say that they didn't have nothing to do with it. Before we get into this episode, I just wanted to warn everybody that we are going to be talking about a very tough subject. We are going to get into some uh, sexual abuse, uh, specifically talking about minors and children. So if that is something that you are not up to hearing or learning about, we are totally okay if this is just not your episode. But we just want to give out that warning because I did the Duggars. We've done some other people who have just really done some foul stuff. And sometimes we don't immediately warn you guys. So I definitely want to put that out right now. Thank you. I'll be leaving. (laughs) You got to stay All right. So uh, basically, Jared, as we know, Jared Scott Fogle was born August 23rd, 1977 in Indianapolis, Indiana. What's the Virgo? That is a Virgo. How'd you get that? You just know him? Uh, Yeah, I kind of do. Um, Uh, Did you say he was born in Indianapolis? Indianapolis, Indiana. Oh, he's an Indianimal. He's an (laughs) Indian. You're Indiana. I, <laughs> I love it. I did not know that, but I mean, we can't even take pride in that. Yeah. Okay. Real quick. Okay. Let me let me be professional once again. My sources. <laughs> I got a lot of my information from old video clips, uh, specifically Channel Six News, RT TV and CBS News, NBC News, NPR, WFYI.org. And I did watch a video. I watched most of this video by this YouTuber called Vintage, no, Vince Vintage. And it's uh, he does a very good, it's like a 20 minute video on Jared. It's great if you want to uh, watch that as well. I, w- I just wanted to say my sources. Good for oh, you. Oh. <laughs> 
Jared was born in Indianapolis, Indiana. Just like I said, he was raised in a Jewish household with his parents, Adrian and Norman Fogel, as well as a younger brother and sister. So he was the oldest. Okay. Um, as far as uh, everybody describes Jared as a child, is uh, he was a regular, normal child up to a point. And then as he got into his, uh, as he got older, maybe like in his preteen years, uh, started to stay inside more. Specifically, they talk about how the Nintendo 64 came out. Yeah. And he basically locked himself in his room and stayed on the game, stayed eating junk food and drinking a lot of pop and a lot of unhealthy stuff to the point where he's like a teenager consuming like 10,000 calories a day. Oh, wow. And just mm-hmm. sitting there. Exactly. Parents are worried about him. You know, they're they're warning him about his weight and all the other stuff is kind of going in one ear out the other. He's not really doing anything. He starts having back issues like body issues. He also develops sleep apnea. If you don't know what sleep apnea is, it's basically you kind of stop breathing in the middle of your sleep, like something is obstructing your airway. So you usually need a mask to sleep, to breathe for you while you sleep, or you could basically die. Okay. I only know that because I, I have two grandparents with sleep apnea. Oh, really? Do they wear the mask? Uh, hell yeah, but not all the time. But grandma do. <laughs> Grandpa, who he try, he try. <laughs> Jared is not a likable person. He 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 was giving us a lot of fronts and facades, but it was his early life when he was just like a big kid, where I kind of empathized and uh, related to him the most. And it's just because I was a fat kid too. <laughs> but uh, they were talking about how he started to be in high school and he had to like shop in the men's husky big and tall department, how he was like, he got made fun of and he was scared to go to school because he couldn't fit at a desk. And that's when I was like, oh, hell yeah. How? You know, I, first of all, I'm so glad they got rid of them dumbass desks because I, I, I was with old fat Jared on this shit. I hated those combos of a desk and a chair, like that half C shit that you got to slide in. Oh. That's bullshit. And and you ain't got to be fat to not like it. It's just uncomfortable. (laughs) Why am I restricted to getting out and in on one side? That is true. And what if I'm left-handed? That's a bitch. Yeah, that is true. So, you know, I felt, I felt fat Jared on that. I'm only calling (laughs) him fat Jared because, you know, he, he gets slim fast later. But um, Jared grows up, graduates from North Central High School in 1995. Uh, He then attends Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, He goes for a degree in management and international business. Uh, And he ends up graduating in 2000. During that time, of course, uh, you know, the first couple years, he's there. He's big. He's having trouble. He's not really fitting in. Uh, He even says that one of his... He, he didn't get to take all the classes exactly that he wanted, like electives. He said that he chose classes based off if he could get in the chairs or not, or if it was too far away or not. Like his weight ended up really limiting, limiting him in his college years. Oh, wow. His, Do you know how life. much he weighed? 
Okay, so basically, and I was kind of getting to that, but at the pinnacle, he was like 425. Yeah, okay. And and they have this picture they show you, uh, and I'll probably put it on the Instagram of him in this like white uh, sweater. You know, he has the big old frame glasses and he's real big. So you do the side by side, like, yeah, he, he put the work in, but yeah, he was definitely a, a, a hefty guy. So he basically decides he's having all these back issues. He's having problems with him sleeping and all this other stuff. He's going to try to lose weight because up until then, he's still eating unhealthy. Uh, now he has a car, so he's driving to these fast food places. So it, it's even less exercise. During this his little tenure at Indiana University, they open up a subway shop not too far away from uh, Jared's campus apartment or off-campus apartment. And as a New Year's resolution, instead of, I guess, ordering his rig unhealthy sandwich, like double meat, extra cheese and shit, he sees a sign talking about seven different sandwiches lower than six grams of fat, you know, okay. and they have those selects of sandwiches, like maybe a veggie one or like a turkey one, where if you get the six inch or something like that, it's not very high in calories and all that. So he decides to go in there and, uh, eat subway religiously what ends up being his order is like uh he would do he would eat two meals a day the first one is a six inch sub uh some baked potato chips or was it just a bag of potato chips i don't know if they were doing baked at the time and then a diet coke and then for dinner he would have a foot long no condiments and a diet coke now him doing this religiously every day for like the next 11 months combined with walking to all his destinations, you know, doing a little bit more exercise than he was especially used to resulted in him losing like over 200 pounds. Like they say like 240. Was he walking yeah. to subway? Yeah, but that doesn't count. Cause he says like subway was like a hop, skip and a jump away, but oh. I guess it's like uh, his classes. If he wanted to go out shopping, it's like all the places that he was driving to, was not he were he, uh, he was now walking to or he was just walking so he could go out and just um, be more active in general exactly because he's on this weight loss journey he's on this resolution type of situation and i'm sorry i don't know if you said it how long like what was the time frame when he lost that weight it was 11 months because he started in january as like a new year's resolution oh damn that is pretty fast mm-hmm so uh, 11 months, Jared's lost like over 200 pounds. Um, as Jared is losing this weight and he's dropping it, he's slimming down, slim fast. Uh, people close to him are, you know, taking notice, of course, and seeing him, specifically one of his roommates. So his roommate decides, well, not decides, I'm, I'm, he, he asked Jared, <laughs> but uh, he writes an article uh, and it ends up being on the front page of the school paper. And it just talks about how, Jared lost all this weight eating Subway sandwiches and exercising. Yeah. From it going from Indiana University to getting picked up by some bigger markets and stuff. Uh, people start hitting up Jared for little piece interview puff pieces and short little interviews. And then it gets picked up by Men's Health. Uh, Men's Health magazine ends up doing like a spotlight article on Jared and him doing this diet basically calling calling it stupid diets that work. Jared starts to get a lot of publicity. He is also graduating from college. This is 2000. 
um, as all his stories is, you know, it's a headline grabber, you know, look at the man who lost the 200 something pounds by eating Subway sandwiches. Subway's hearing their name in everybody's mouth and it's like, what the hell y'all talking about? So basically one of Subway's PR people is seeing the traction that the story is getting and thinking, hey, well, we're not paying for him to say this, so it must be true. Let's let's talk to the man. Let's find him out. Let's get let's get in contact with him. So they contact Jared, ask him about the story. You know, they confirm it, whatever, whatever, whatever. And they decide they're going to make this into like not officially a campaign, but it was leaning towards that. They're like, at least we're going to do a commercial. And they did a like a small market test. So they fly Jared out to Chicago pay him $800 for his first commercial. And it's like a test marketed in uh, Chicago, Illinois, or Illinois as a whole. And apparently it tested really well because then it's released nationally. And everybody's talking about the man with the big ass pants. Yeah, and, I remember seeing that picture everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he's around, he's, uh, you know, the first commercial is real simple. It just shows him walking up to there. What's his name? His story shows you the pants, does the flashback of his his big pictures and all that. So, uh, but that was just so funny to me is that we know eventually where this heads out, but it was just so funny to me that the first commercial, he he got paid $800. They didn't know where this was going. Of course it tests well. That's when they start to offer him a contract and turn this into a full-fledged campaign. And with that contract, they basically agreed to pay the man like a million, a million and some change a year. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Just say eat Subway. Eat, eat, eat Subway, eat fresh, look at my pants. Uh-huh. That's good. So um, they signed him this deal, pay him a million uh, a year to be the spokesperson. During their time together as like being connected as like company and spokesperson, they did more than like 300 commercials. He was doing a lot of them by himself with regular people. He had some celebrity ones with like uh, Michael Phelps, uh, Reggie Bush, uh, Michael Strahan, some others. He he basically used this opportunity that he got straight out of college and stretched it to make it last most of, well, his career until, you know, shit got bad. Yeah. He becomes famous. He gets a little bit celebrity status, you know, 15 minutes, whatever you want to call it. He not only is signed with Subway and is doing the commercials, but they're putting him on tour like he's speaking for Subway and doing the sandwiches and all this. But on the side, he's also booking like separate speaking engagements about his weight loss journey, about doing the diet and all this. Now, I will say this. uh, I did find this out during my research, which was so funny. So. Subway finds this man and puts him on the hamster wheel to work, you know, pays him a certain amount of money, but it was not compared to whatever he was generating and bringing in. Because once Jarrett hit the scene, like Subway in a couple of years, like like over five or six years, like doubled their profits and opened up a whole bunch of stores because of the influence and the sales that Jared brought by being that every man, if I can do it, you can do it type of situation. Yeah, but, and I think around that time, everyone was trying to eat healthy. That was like it, the new push of things. Mm-hmm, like the Slim Fast, the Atkins diet. It was like that phase, that era. And what was so funny uh, to me is that he has the Subway diet where he's eating these two subs a day. But when, I guess, nutritionists and food safety people are like digging into this, they're like, hold on. 
his meal isn't even cracking or is barely cracking a thousand calories a day. This is not a healthy diet to which basically Subway responds. Okay, we're keeping Jared. He's still doing these commercials, but at the bottom of the screen, they're going to put an asterisk talking about consult your your doctor before you do this diet. Yeah, in that white font that no one should read. Not only can you not read it, but that's basically saying, yeah, you shouldn't do this diet because as soon as you tell your doctor about this, he can be like, no, you can't do that. That's not enough calories to sustain you. Yeah, because I think for a man, like the lowest it should be is 1,500. Oh, my God. And so... That spiral, it doesn't spiral, but then I guess to do a little bit more, they end up, uh, I guess, also putting that they do not endorse the uh, the Jared Subway diet. You know, no. he's just a spokesperson, but we don't endorse this. He's just eating <laughs> our sandwiches. And because of his whole story and everything he did, we're paying him to keep speaking to you guys and doing it. But we do not endorse this, which I thought it was funny. And even in his book that Jared Fogel wrote, it, it was kind of sad. Do you know he where it's wrote, called? Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. And Jared Fogel's book, Jared the Subway Guy, <laughs> winning through losing... 13 lessons for turning your life around. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You know, I just had to find it. (laughs) Uh, In that book, it's like a really uh, small sentence or something. He was basically saying him doing this diet, like I could feel the hunger pains. And I just had to remind myself that hunger is good. It's like a pat on the back. It's like a high five. Welcome it. Mm. like no your body was starving itself and was telling you to feed it but you just kept losing that weight (laughs) yeah but you know whatever but i just i thought i should mention that is that they subway literally just had dollar signs in their eyes this man of course it's a fantastic story but when you dig deeper it's a completely unhealthy story and they shouldn't have really put a lot of their eggs in their basket because it ends up kind of biting their ass in the end for different reasons, mind you, but still. Jared's famous. He's not really a household name, but he's a household face. You know him as soon as he comes on the, the TV screen. You know what he's about. You know what he's endorsing. He's also doing some cameos in movies. Like a couple of the things he showed up in, he did a guest starring thing on SNL. He uh, played himself in Jack and Jill. He played himself in com- a community episode. He was also in Sharknado 2. Oh. Uh, he was going to be in Sharknado 3, but you know, that's when that's when the shit hit the fan. So he was he was out there, you know. Uh, yeah. South Park even did an episode about him. I think if people like see the name, like the title, they'd be like, who when we release this episode, but I feel like they know who Jared the Subway guy is. Uh-huh. And that's probably what the episode's just gonna be. <laughs> Jared, the subway guy, (laughs) but also uh, as a way, I think, to boost up his image and to put his face out there, he decides to make a not a big career move, but I guess a poignant one, which is he decides to create a foundation. Um, It's the Jared Foundation, because what better foundation than the one you name after yourself? Um, in this foundation, it is basically about fighting childhood obesity, uh, basically supposed to give you the sense that Jared, since he dealt with being obese as a child, I don't know how to others, how to say that any other way. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's like, what it was. Yeah. I wanted to say it in a nice way. I was like, bro, they didn't say it to, to me nice in the doctor's office. Well, I got to <laughs> say it nice in here. 
But um, basically, because he knew how that felt and he battled those demons up until adulthood, he would be the right person to do this goal of like, because the goal was to pledge $2 million to schools uh, and grants to fight obesity. That was the main goal, you know, as well as, you know, speaking to the children and talking about making better and healthy food choices and all this other bull. I don't mean to say bull because I feel like our, I know what happened. So I think I'm already upset. But yeah. It was good intentioned at the start. Yeah. Tell you Michelle know? Obama you don't care about childhood obesity. Child, uh, Michelle ain't done. <laughs> she would never do this shit with what these people have done. That don't, you dare, don't you even never. mention that. That fine, wonderful lady. We're not at that part yet. You're just this bull of childhood obesity. I'm just boiling. I'm just a <laughs> pot on the stove, boy. I'm just boiling. But this is 2004. He's saying he's doing it for these great reasons. Some people are kind of seeing this as a way uh, to just have your name out there and to keep your 15 minute clock going. And, and it's kind of, I, I was about to say, good, good celebrities do it for both reasons. Selfish people say they're only doing it for the people but we really know it's both reasons. (laughs) Just be be honest. The point of the foundation was to go into schools, educate children on eating healthy and making good food decisions, as well as giving the grants to schools and other groups to help fund healthy plan plan initiatives. In the end, this is not exactly what happened at all, but we'll get to that. In the background of his success with Subway, after uh, after graduating Indiana University, shortly Fogel got married. Jared, Jared got married to a woman named Elizabeth Christie, who was a pediatric nurse. When Elizabeth Christie and Jared Fogel got married, they technically were married altogether six years. But it is said that after five years is when Elizabeth decided to leave the marriage. It is said in the background, even though what we were seeing was Jared going from speaking engagements and speaking the word about Subway and losing weight and helping kids, he was not as cool or calm or collected behind the scenes. In 2007, files for divorce and a restraining order at the same time. Ooh. She says in the divorce filing that the marriage is irretrievably broken. And that he had became that he became controlling in the marriage and had a mean streak in him, which says a lot of things, but doesn't say anything. So yeah. I feel like it must have been because they hear you got uh what is it called? Irreclusive. Can you say that word for me? Why am I doing this? Irreclusive. I can't say it now. You said it too many times wrong. You know that I word differences. <laughs> but she said this is irretrievably broken. So it's like he did something to her once or multiple times that they cannot come back from at all to the point where not only does she have to divorce him, that she feels like her safety is threatened, that she has to file a restraining order. So I only wanted to mention her in this blurb because this this woman does not come back into the story at all. Once she leaves this marriage, she doesn't come back for any future allegations, any other interviews. She's she's gone. So I felt like if anybody could give more insight to what 
type of person Jared was, this was definitely an untapped resource. She could have possibly signed like a NDA or something though. Yeah, maybe she got a settlement. And so she was like, I'm just going to leave this man alone because he's just not good for me. He's going to probably bring destruction. But I mean, she did whatever she needed to do to get away from him. But I thought it was just so interesting that they were married for six years. She technically leaves the marriage after five, but waits a year to uh, file for divorce and says that this man is controlling. He's mean. And he got to stay away from me. But it's also said that he he was having uh, affairs. He was uh, with other people in the background of his marriage. Adult now, people. I don't know if you can call it affairs if they're not of age, but it's rumored that some of these affairs are uh, of age women, but some of them are also minors. Oof. The divorce is finalized October t- 2007. Headed into 2008, it's been almost a decade that Jared and Subway have been linked together and working together. Uh, But Subway is kind of, they're thinking the Jared thing is getting stale. At least put him on the back burner. And so they start to come full force with their next campaign, which was the $5 foot long. Oh, yeah. He was in one of those commercials, though. And to get it started. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta put your prize pig out there one time. <laughs> I did not mean to say pig in that way. It just came out. Damn. I mean, you don't have to apologize. Him. Yeah, yeah. I, a... I really don't know why. I don't know why you're. <laughs> Joey I'm so used nice to be, I've been saying sorry a lot today. I've been save your sorry <laughs> to some of my family. So you know, I had to keep an apology in the back of my mouth. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's 2008. They're trying to phase him out. Like they still want to keep him, of course, but they don't, he doesn't need to be in all the commercials. Like I said, they they were doing, a, uh, they did over 300 commercials in all the time he was with Subway. Over so, 300? Um, over 300. Damn. So uh, basically $5 foot long becomes the big face of what Subway is doing, but they still have Jared on the tour circuit. So he's still representing subway publicly he's just not on all the commercials now yeah in the same year 2008 while he's on a quote-unquote business trip or a speaking engagement fogel uh is at a bar and he meets this man named russell taylor russell taylor was a man who was employed by a nonprofit, specifically the american heart association and he was the youth director so they get to talking uh, and they start getting along really well, start hanging out. Uh, I don't know if one needed help with something or the other uh, and they helped each other out. But basically, during this weekend or business trip and these people, uh, these two guys meeting at this bar, they decide they're friends and they just start hanging out more to the point where they start talking about their interests and then it becomes uh, them picking up women together. And then it becomes them finding out that maybe these two have a interest in underage minors. And oh. that being the thing that connects them the most. I always so, wonder when like these kind of sick people like meet each other. How the fuck do they bring that up? That's what's so crazy because I, I don't know how you do that either. It's just like. But, dang. Okay, before I get into, I don't know, 
let me answer you that. People are just so weird and sick to the point where I feel like they feel like they don't have anything to lose. If they, after talking to you for a little bit, feel like you may be a kindred spirit, which I don't even like using it in that way. Yeah, you really really ruined that. But if they feel like they're talking to somebody who's who's into what they're into on that perverted level, they will start to open up. And when they feel that information being reciprocated, they'll let out, uh, they'll like give a bait line. And if they take it, they'll know that they got a nasty brother in arms and then that becomes their person because i was going to say it's so weird that after only meeting each other like a couple times they become really good friends because two years prior jared kind of does the same thing but this woman wasn't like russell her name is rochelle herman walrod and in 2006 is when she meets jared and jared and her are just like shooting i don't want to say well, they're shooting the shit, basically. They're at a speaking engagement at a school and they're talking. She's a reporter. Well, she's a journalist slash radio interviewer. And she's there with her cameraman and Jared. And they're just talking. And then out of the blue in their conversation, uh, Jared just says, you know, I think middle school girls are so hot. Oh, my fucking dog. And this is 2006. So when Rochelle hears this in 2006, I don't know. I don't want to say, I don't want to question her, but she basically says, I got to keep this guy on the hook. So she ends up maintaining a relationship with this man uh, after recording him uh, saying these perverted weird things about um, wanting to be with certain minors trying to coerce her into finding minors for them specifically him uh and then it gets worse when he says basically um you got kids right and she's like yeah what's their ages oh shut the fuck up yeah she says their ages which like under 10 right and he's like i would love to see him naked which which person which uh which room would you want me to put the camera in? Your son or your daughter's? Oh. So this. I, what? I, no, I, I don't have anything to add. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. You're <laughs> reacting. Yeah, it's fucked yeah, it's up, just, right? I thought I did. But yeah, it's totally fucked up. Like, okay. We have talked about other people on this, like Drake Bell, who mm-hmm. go, like, not as young, you know. I don't know, like under 10 or 10, like that's just so sick. And I'm not saying the other one's not sick either, but it's disgusting. Like those are literal children. Like, I don't know. It's just so disgusting. Uh, It is. It is. So like I said, this is 2006 and she's trying to keep him on the line and she hears him trying to like uh because at first he was like you know you you can get in with these teenagers you it's easy you just have to talk to them and relate to them and then you just get closer to them and you know you just get a little touchy-feely and it's just it's so easy and, and you know it just it's it's bound to happen so when she hears all this uh she goes to the fbi uh and the fbi basically is like well you're going to wear a wire. You're going to record this information for us. And this is in 2006. So she starts maintaining this background relationship with Jared. 
uh, recording his uh, interactions with her, keeping the text messages and so on. And then that brings us back to him and Russell Taylor in 2008. Okay. So, Whereas he was with uh, Rochelle and they're just talking about what he wants and what he's uh, looking for and all this disgusting stuff, but no action. When he meets with Russell in 2008 um, and he finds his partner, essentially, not only do does that become like his buddy, he ends up promoting, like hiring him and promoting him to executive director of the Jared Foundation. Like yeah. officially in 2009. So 2009, he's the executive director. Jared's the face of the foundation. So what do you do? You you uh, go out uh, and he starts speaking to uh, children. They're going to schools. Uh, they're doing presentations. They're flying to Thailand and doing speeches. They're flying to New York. They're flying to Missouri. They're going all over the country. And outside of the country, and it's basically framed as by day, these two regular white collar guys talking about saving children and helping childhood obesity and such and such. But then at night, it's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, they're uh, at the bars drinking, uh, trying to pick up women, uh, having sex with uh, sex workers and escorts. And it's like a cycle. But here's the disgusting thing about the cycle. It's, it was found out later that when they were having sex with these escorts and other sex workers, what they would do is they would hire one, right? Come to uh-huh. the room, they do their business. W- once they are allowed to have sex and they finish, they assume, well, not assume because they're correct. Basically, they, they know that this is not a police officer. This is not somebody in law enforcement. So then they talk to that particular escort or sex worker and try to persuade them or pay them, coerce them to finding another escort or sex worker who is underage. Oof. And I could get into that more, but, but that, they did that on a number of occasions. But that was their their cycle. They're by day representing this company, speaking to these children, trying to get people on the right path. And by night, they were just you know nasty bastards. Yeah, seems so, like it. Like I said, he met a, a Russell Taylor in 2008, makes some executive director 2009. And in 2010, in the midst of all this, Jared gets remarried. Um, he marries a teacher, Katie, McLaugh- Katie McLaughlin. You know what's so weird about her name? It's supposed to be pronounced McLaughlin, but it's it's written like Malaughlin. Oh, it's one of those. But yeah, he marries her in 2010 and she's a teacher. And I was like, hold up. Wait a minute. Ain't stupid. Especially after what I read. Your first wife was a pediatric nurse. And now your second wife is a teacher. Those type of people try to put themselves in situations with children. A hundred percent. And then that kind of got me thinking about the Jared Foundation. Like, yes, I understand you were obese child and we do want to help child obesity, but they ain't no big ass adults. Yeah. There's one right here. Why you always <laughs> got to speak to children? I, and it's like the Drake Bell situation. I just don't like when celebrities put themselves like, why are your why is your whole career focused on this one group? And it's like an innocent um 
you can take advantage and wield your power over groups. Like, it's so weird. That's why you got to look at people sideways. Uh-uh. Yeah. But uh, in the midst of this, 2010, he gets married to Katie McLaughlin. Uh, like I said, I felt like this marriage was like, um, like was fraudulent. Like he was either using her as a front, like a beard for his perverse desires, or he was kind of using her like, hopefully, oh, this is a shield. It's a speed bump. Maybe this will help me slow, slow down on being a disgusting bastard. Mm, I, I don't think you're trying to slow down. I, I agree. I was just trying to give him like a little bit of no, he doesn't because get I any. feel like no, you're right. But I feel like some um, child predators are unremorseful mm-hmm. on one hand, and then you have the ones who are still nasty, still disgusting, but they did dumb things like getting married or having children or getting into multiple relationships with uh, people their age or older as a way to think that that's going to curb them being child predators instead of actually getting help. Mm. So I, 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 like you said, he doesn't get, he doesn't get any, uh, he doesn't get any sorries, but that's just another way I, I would view. It doesn't mean that he's, he's uh good. I just feel like some people use that as a, they rationalize it. Like, Oh my gosh, if I'm with this person, I can't be looking at this. And I get what it, you're saying. You're it, not ultimately, him, but... it ultimately fails, but I feel like maybe that was uh, a use of her. But either way, he was nasty because he wasn't up front. And I don't like when um, you have the resources, the support, and the money to actually fix or mend your mind. And instead, you just bring other people into the fold of your your clusterfuck when you don't have to. Like, he didn't have to marry her, but he brought her into the world. But um, because the thing is, he could have he could have uh, got some help or stopped altogether, did anything. But he just kept going like uh, nothing, nothing mattered. So he's still friends with Russell Taylor. Uh, this is 2011, fast forward in a couple years. And whether it was like from paranoia or whether he was just trying to be very vigilant over his, his space, Russell Taylor ends up putting like security cameras, specifically hidden cameras uh, in his office. And hmm. so he goes away on a business trip or something and then he comes back to his house like a couple days later and starts looking through the footage during uh him looking through this footage it's not really specified if it is one of his relatives or just a under a like an underage relative or an underage worker for the foundation but either or he ends up seeing an underage woman who works with him or is in the house uh engaging uh, having sex with like her boyfriend, right? Okay. So this is por- child pornography, essentially. Yeah. And he doesn't destroy it. Uh, instead, he brings it to Fogel and he shows him. In response to Jared Fogel seeing this video, first he 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 watches it again. And Jared ends up like kind of, I don't know if it was like jokingly or not at first, 
But he's like, basically, yeah, man, you should. We should put some cameras all up and through your house, basically. And uh, they like, do. Yep. Yeah, like, would you put like we should put some cameras in your bathroom? Let's put some more cameras in your office. Let's get some more images and stuff like that. And so, either during this conversation, Taylor's like laughing it off, or he's ignoring it altogether because the conversation ends. But I guess Jared starts to become a, I guess, a little friendly. Uh, he starts, you know, paying for more trips. Uh, buys uh, Russell Taylor like a car, ends up giving him this big loan for like a house. But at first it's like, I guess, um, shown as he paid for the house, but it ends up just being a loan later and all this other stuff. And so then after he's given these gifts, like a gracious person would, he he basically asks again, saying like, so are you you're going to put some some cameras in your bathroom and your office and stuff like that. And Taylor essentially goes for it. Jared even goes as far as saying uh, he, he he reminds Taylor and says, daddy's paying for everything. He. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. Like apparently in the court documents later that we talk that when all this stuff unfolds uh russell taylor says that jared liked to refer to himself as daddy and he reminded taylor that you know daddy's paying for everything you know so you know go ahead and hook up them cameras to the point where after he starts getting images through taylor he starts um up in the equipment like it's not just regular hidden cameras you've got full you got a full production, like stuff that people couldn't even tell unless they know what was bought. They can't tell if it's a camera. And he's setting it up not only in his office, not only in his bed bathrooms, he even puts it in his stepchildren's bedrooms. Oh, and do you know how old the stepchildren are? Uh, they're they're younger than uh, they're in between the ages of nine and 15. Are you fucking kidding me? So this guy pretty much is letting Jared watch his stepkids. Yeah. Like they had a whole system. Essentially what happens is, okay. And this is so messed up. All the stuff is at Taylor's, um, Taylor's house, Russell Taylor's house Uh set up there. And so, he's recording all this other stuff and eventually he pulls the footage he makes uh, a video and or puts all uh, like a whatever you want to call it uh, amalgamation of whatever jared wants he either puts it on a usb or a laptop and then gives it to jared to view uh he usually said that jared would keep it for like a week at a time and then it usually would say something. Oh, I don't want to say this, but usually after uh, a certain amount of time has passed, he would tell Taylor, uh, "Daddy needs some pictures." Why <laughs> does Taylor refer to Jared as Daddy? No, this is like you're Taylor. I don't even want to. Be no, I'm not Taylor. No, um, you're Taylor, I and I'm Jared. You, I get but, what you're and saying. I'm like, I'm saying that to you. Like, I bro. get you're saying, but does. He no, I don't ever refer to Jared as daddy. I don't think Taylor says, yes, daddy. <laughs> I, okay. I, it's, it's disgusting all around. 
Oh, I said not, I said nine to uh, 15. I'm sorry. The images and the videos of these minor children are from six to 12. Oh, even yeah, worse. that's worse. Uh, the, it's, it's just, it's still disgusting, but it's not them being abused themselves, but it's more like them uh, getting dressed and undressed for bed or for the day and bathing and things like that. Still disgusting, but that's what the images and videos are typically of. Um, but yeah, it's all, it's basically anybody that the tailors are friends with or they're bringing in their house. So whether it's the kids being friends with different kids or the parents being friends with different parents and their kids are coming over, anybody who was in that house at this point in time is getting recorded. It's, it's, it's very fucked up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, he would put it on a, a laptop or a drive. He would give it, get, get it to Jared. Um, and then Jared would consume it later, get the stuff back or either keep the drives and, you know, get a, a different one. Cause I don't know if how much he kept and how much he sent back. I mean, so, I imagine if it's on a flash drive, he can just save it to his computer. Like as even, well. Yeah. And, and stuff ends up happening. So I figured he had to keep, even if you're giving a flash drive back, like you can still have the information or mm-hmm. pictures in that case. Yeah, like the digital paper trail doesn't like kind of yeah. thing. But, um, you know, and the thing is, Russell, right now, the, the focus, this episode, of course, is about Fogel, but it's also about Russell and the fact that he had a choice as well. He's he's nasty and disgusting as well, because once you had that video, that was like a crossroads in your life, no matter what had happened before then. Once you have that video of that underage girl having sex with her, <clears throat> her boyfriend, this could not be your chapter. You could just be that disgusting. I don't man think who, it was an accident. I don't think so either. Is what, but that's not what they they. It's it's made to seem like the first time this incident was just the catalyst, and then they decided to do this. But the truth is that when they were doing those business trips and stuff, he, they were still sleeping with underage girls. Charity so they Moore, were they were still disgusting. They just went up a level with the violating the privacy of your stepchildren uh, in Taylor's case, in Fogel's case, just children that you are familiar with and know who are very young and <sighs> looking at those images. Yeah. Yeah, but, that's um, disgusting. It is. And, and Russell benefited from it. He not only does. Yeah, he's he's basically getting blackmailed at the same time, but he's still benefiting from it by getting paid as a found uh, as an executive director, uh, having the trips, enjoying the car, leaving in, living in the house. You're accepting all these bribe gifts that he's getting, uh, putting yourself in the corner and joining you in the lifestyle that y'all both are mutually a part of. So they they both they're both they both brought each other down different rabbit holes. I feel like when Fogel and Russell met, Fogel started to get real um, interested in uh, his business trips and finding escorts and finding underage girls to have sex with. And then when Russell opened that Pandora's box of the video images, Jared, you know, got another idea of, another avenue of getting I don't want to say his gratification essentially 
They're both disgusting. That's all I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. So I had mentioned Rochelle Herman Walrod earlier about her um, in 2006 meeting Jared, him saying that disgusting comment about middle school girls being so hot. And then once um, having that conversation, she lures him into like a friendship and they talk uh, and she records him. He talks about her children. She takes to the FBI. So she maintains like a four year relationship with this man, you know, but setting him up. Yeah. Of basically being his confidant and keeping record of what he's saying and what he's asking her to do. Um, But when she's like, this time has passed, it's like 2011 still, she's asking the FBI, why won't they do something? And they basically say that even though she has all these information, all this information, she has these uh, recordings because there is no, like he's not admitting to a crime, nor is he on the phone committing a crime. There's nothing that they can do. Yeah. Which I I kind of felt like it was still kind of bullshit. They still should have at that point really started to dig into him because they didn't do that until later. But I felt like it was enough information to keep like keep a file on the man. They might have had a file, but like I don't think they can like get a warrant at that point. Maybe not, but I, 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 you know, maybe, you know, it's just, we feel, well, I feel different because it's just, it seems like with comments like that, it seems like a whole, if there's smoke, there's fire. So if you're willing to say this to a random person, there's got to be something going on in the background. I agree. I I just don't think there's enough information for a warrant. Okay, Agent Jose. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're fine. You're good. (laughs) But, um. So this is somebody he met during like his first marriage and he's kept in contact through the the second marriage and all that. The FBI thing doesn't work out. And so she kind of basically ends contact with him. She doesn't really come back up into the picture until all the allegations are out. So she kind of fades into the background, but eventually, you know, she leaks what she recorded. And I, I wanted to mention the recordings because even though they are disgusting and they're, unpleasant i feel like everybody should hear this man say this disgusting shit and all you gotta do is go on youtube and look it up like dr phil jared fogel dr phil rochelle walrod w-a-l-r-o-n-d and like listen to this man talk like he sounded so confident about how he knows to like set up and get with underage children like it, it, it's just kind of disgusting, but it just shows you how confident this man was walking to schools, showing his, his fucking pants and how to um, be a better, uh, how to eat better and live a better life, but secretly plotting on these children. Like he just created his, he created his own space. Yeah. It, and it's just crazy to see once it all, it, it all comes out. So, um, like I said, she she uh, ends up going to the FBI. They reject it. Jared and his wife start having children. Uh, they first have a, a boy named Brady in 2011. And then in 2013, they have a girl named Quinn. Um, and despite Rochelle being out there and knowing what she knows, the FBI who has been tipped, knowing what they know, um, Jared is still free to be the type of monster that he was and is able to move as he pl- uh, as he pleased. Um, in 2012, after not paying the $5 annual fee to keep 
the foundation registered, um, the state of Indiana ends up dissolving the Jared Foundation. Huh. Now, what I thought, and maybe this is just me spitballing, because you find out later that the Jared Foundation wasn't what it was supposed to be. But that's not found out until like three years later. In 2012, they just didn't pay $5 to keep it registered, and they just dissolved it, and nobody looked into it. And I thought that was crazy, whether it was because of his celebrity status, him just being like a white guy. I don't know, but I felt like that was shady. Yeah. Like, n- nobody looked into this this famous dude's foundation, why they couldn't remember $5 and what was happening. So basically, let's fast forward to finding out about the Jared Foundation, which was what I said was, was a scam. Basically, through 2004 to 2008, it was a regular run-of-the-mill foundation. You know, you got your donations. He was doing his speaking engagements, whatever, whatever. It was when Russell Taylor joins the foundation in 2009, where from 2009 up until even 2013, the Jared Foundation received like $650,000 in donations. And more than $650,000. So in that time period of receiving all that money, uh later the fbi finds out that over half of that was just paid out to russell taylor and Mm. possibly even jared on the side and they say the rest is unaccounted for i feel like they could have faked paperwork and then once you looked into it you know you realize not everything's on the up and up yeah but why wasn't that called out in 2012 i like i feel like whether it was for the 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 essential pedophilia or anything else, Jared could have got caught up a couple times, but like he just kept getting, he was too greasy. He just kept slipping. I don't understand it, especially with this foundation thing. Like that's just too out of the ordinary. And then Subway didn't say anything. Now, no, that's not your foundation, but this is your spokesperson. I, 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 I don't know. I just don't. You don't think they have any, any uh, hat in that ring? Yeah. But isn't he representing the company? He is. I agree with that. But they fired him once everything came out. But this is, but this is 2012. They ain't going to look into the man. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. They don't have responsibility to look into his organization. Or his personal life? I mean, he wasn't advertising that. I don't feel like. Hmm. okay that's the like, I'm, that's the hill you're gonna die on <laughs> i'm not dying on that hill i just don't feel like subway is responsible for jared i think they are i think once you just like this the celebrity the other companies are responsible for those celebrities which they're not responsible it's just that they represent you and so if you know that somebody is going to represent your brand especially for the long haul because they were with jared over a decade they didn't know anything about this man they they didn't know anything about his proclivities proclivities i mean he's not advertising that he's a child molester or or him having these escorts and doing all this other stuff like i feel like you don't have to dig to find that out i feel like it was known but it was getting covered up on the low Maybe. I mean, maybe but that's he could have been me. somewhere where escorts were legal. I don't, I, I'm not trying even 
Don't have say it. Don't have say it. You're defending the way of subs. I'm not like you're. I feel like you couldn't believe Jesse was getting the subway sandwich. (laughs) I I just don't think Subway is responsible for Jared. The big hit, the catalyst that brings everything down, doesn't happen until 2014. So, basically, Russell Taylor and his wife are they live like alternative lifestyle that's the rumor this is not confirmed it's either they live alternative lifestyle and they swing occasionally or russell taylor besides the minors and the escorts he just be cheating on his wife with other people that are local to him it's either or because it's neither is um really confirmed but russell taylor has developed this relationship uh, with this woman who uh, he's known through her husband who had died the year prior. So they call this woman Jane Doe. So Russell Taylor and Jane Doe developed this friendly friendly and flirtatious um, relationship in person, but also over the phone and through text. So through uh, 2014, her and Russell are communicating. And then out of the blue, um, not flirty, not friendly. Ray, uh, Taylor kind of offers offers Jane Doe some child pornography, like offers to send her some, and she's like, "No, I'm I'm okay." She 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 declines, and you know, um, it keeps going. You know, I guess they resume the regular back and forth, and then at a later date, uh, he talks about like her selling herself on craigslist like it's like they have a regular conversation in the intervals he'll do something he'll say or do something weird because then he also talked about uh setting up a meet with her 16 year old cousin like uh he also texted her would you and another woman want to engage in some bestiality with me involving a horse what the fuck yeah and then in response, um, I, she also declines that. But in response, he ends up sending her like an image of some bestiality being depicted. Now, it doesn't say that Russell Taylor was in the photo. So I'm guessing he just he just had some of that, that those images as well and sent it to her. So um, she's disgusted. She's frightened. She's not liking this. She keeps all the all the conversations and ends up talking to a friend about, a, you know, a situation on what she should do. And the, the friend is like, girl, go to the police. Yeah. And so she uh, contacts the state police. Okay. I was and, probably pissed at her. She didn't do anything. <laughs> and she went to Chicago, <laughs> but uh, she ends up contacting Indiana state police, uh, leaves a tip, tells them what's going on and all that. Uh, in turn, they start an investigation on Russell Taylor. It starts with the Indiana State Police. FBI gets involved. It was state police, the Metro Metropolitan Police, FBI, and the Indiana Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. They were all involved in this Russell Taylor uh, investigation because at first it was about bestiality. Right. Because that was, I guess, the the biggest reoccurring thing in there. And I guess the most un, 
settling at the time, even though the child pornography thing was right there. But apparently the investigation was first focused on bestiality when they went into Russell Taylor's home. And then when they don't find any bestiality images or anything like semen like that, uh, and instead find the child pornography, it becomes a whole different situation. Um, They find all this information. They find this flash drive, the USB drives and all these like over 500 images, thousands of videos, like high number, high numbers of disgusting things that he has. And then they find information linking all this information to Jared. Because at first, when I was going through this information, I thought like, oh, he sold out Jared, which I mean, I ain't mad at snitch on his ass. Y'all both nasty. Y'all both deserve to get caught. Yeah. But it turned out it wasn't really him snitching out on Jared, but more so um, them finding information that showed that he shared it to Uh, I guess, a specific address, a specific area, and then they end up connecting that to Jared. But uh, a lot of people think that Jared, uh, let me tell you how this happens, right? (laughs) Basically. So in April is when the FBI arrests Russell Taylor. And it's put out into the news, like ex or former Jared Foundation director arrested on child pornography charges, distributing and producing child pornography, right? Uh-huh. And, J- and Jared is like, "What? Oh my gosh, I am, I am shocked. I can't believe he would do this." And you know that 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 fake, the fake, the fake gasp. And you don't condone his actions and you're cutting ties with him and all that type of shit. Right. So he was just trying to save his own ass at that point. Save his own ass. So, so that makes me think that uh, Jared must have thought he had all of his shit hid to the point where only if Russell Taylor got caught, it was going to live and die with Russell Taylor. And maybe he knew that Russell might maybe didn't sni- wouldn't have sn- snitched on him. So until they find the information linking it to Jared, of course, Jared goes with the whole, you know, hand over the mouth. I can't believe routine. Right. So that was that's what I thought was crazy. So, you know, April 29th, Russell Taylor is arrested for the producing and distributing child pornography. It's in May where he ends up being, you know, indicted and the charges read to him of what he's facing. Two days later in Marion County Jail, he attempts suicide. Um, Russell Taylor does? Yeah, Russell Taylor took suicide in Mary County Jail. Um, That He injures himself and ends up going to the hospital, but, you know, he's not successful. How'd he Um, try it? I think he tried to hang himself. Okay. Hang himself, and I think he ended up falling and, uh, like, having some head damage. Hmm. Jared ain't worried about nothing, but then here comes July 7th. July 7th, the FBI descends down on Fogel's home in Zionsville. It's reported that everybody was there, wife, kids. And when the FBI came, uh, they shuffled the wife and kids off to a different location while Jared stayed at the house and his lawyer rolled up. Now, as they're going through Fogel's home and taking out all the electronics, like uh, tablets, laptops, computers, and all that, they also bring one of the three only dogs in the world, apparently. 
I want to say country because I don't think they said the world. One in three dogs in the country that's been trained to sniff out uh, like hidden electronic devices, specifically like hidden USBs and things huh. like that. And apparently the dog had some hits. And I know Fogel was shook as he should have been because yeah. Know, it, they they knew it must have been some bad stuff because I ain't never heard of this this particular dog one of three that they used to sniff out hard drives and stuff. But yeah, one of three dogs that is trained to do this stuff. They brought it out to um to find USBs and all this other stuff, and to the point where they were like processing a lot of this stuff on the scene. Like they parked a big old white forensic van or truck in the driveway of Fogel's home. So they're taking the electronics straight out of his house into this van, processing, getting, you know, fingerprints, the the information and all that. And I just want to say a little note here. The dog's name was Bear and he was a Labrador retriever and just props to Bear. (laughs) Why are you looking up the dog? (laughs) Because he gets his shout out. He's one of the only trained, like, we're going to put some respect on Bear's name. Go ahead. He does actually deserve it. Yeah. I, I, three? First of all, they must be beating the fuck out of these dogs. No. Only, only three survive? I, I don't think three dogs? survive. Three is trained. Three survived? I, I don't I don't think. <laughs> this is the FBI. Bear looks they got, adorable. They got secrets to it was an adorable looking dog. Hopefully he got a couple of vacation days. Um, so he he was honored. Oh, really? I didn't know uh-huh. that part. Go on, tell me more about my subject. I'm back. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I just had to look up there. No, you are. I'm all over the place. <laughs> that's all I had. Um, yeah, that's all I have for Bear. Okay. Thank you, we're, Bear. We're doing an update later. <laughs> uh so that was in July, uh July 7th. Uh August 9th is when you know he he was charged with all these 12 counts of uh dis- receiving and distributing child pornography because later they find out that Fogel had shown they don't say who, but the, he had shown a couple people some of these images and videos that he had gotten from Taylor. Hmm. But um, August 19th is when Fogel decides to just uh, enter a guilty plea. Apparently, the story was that I don't know if he was really considering a trial, but his lawyer is like, you don't want to do this. You don't want all your business dragged further into the spotlight. Take the plea deal. And so the plea deal was outlined as his attorneys won't ask for less than five years, which I thought was bullshit because if you really want to show some atonement, he needed to be in there minimum 10 years, minimum. But you saying you ain't going to ask for less than five. And then the prosecutors shake hands and say, okay, you're not going to ask for less than five. We're not going to ask for more than 12 which I still thought was bullshit, whatever, especially with how many counts he was facing, how long he was doing it, the ages of the children, blah, 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 which is so crazy because this is all found out um, a lot in 2015 because of so many different age ranges or so many different ranges of ages. (laughs) Um, 
throughout the years of them doing this disgusting shit, some children were still minors and some were even adults at this point. Oh, damn. I know. That was the plea agreement. August 19th, he enters the guilty plea. Um, and then he ends up being sentenced in November 19th. But what I guess Fogel didn't know is that even though you agreed to this plea deal about no less than five, no more than 12, apparently the judge, this federal judge, does not have to abide by those rules. If they see fit, they can go higher or lower than the recommendation. Recommended sentence. Woo, boy, today's a hard one. (laughs) It really is. So um, November 19, 2015, when Fogel sits in in front of the judge, um, Tanya Pratt, Black woman, I was proud. (laughs) I mean, she could have gave him more years, but I was proud. She sits, uh, she gets Fogel 15.5 years. So she thankfully didn't go nowhere near what... uh, Jared Fogel's attorneys wanted, yeah. but she did go a little bit higher than the prosecute prosecution's recommendation, which showed me that okay, she didn't give them the max, but she knew that what they were offering was a little bit, at least maybe for her, too lenient, and he really did need to pay a little bit more. I would have personally liked to seen a twenty at least, but you know, I'm all for him getting a lot more years than he intended. In the plea deal agreement, some of the things is, of course, he has to register for us, register as a sex offender once he is released. He is going to be like monitored for like the rest of his life, like supervised. Like they're going to be watching what he does on the Internet, what they're going to be watching him once he gets released from prison, like always. Yeah. Um, Supervised visits with uh, his children, um, not to have any contact with other children. Oh, the thing that I thought was so crazy is besides the supervision with children, so his children can only visit him in jail or prison. And the soonest Jared can get out because of this plea deal is he has to serve a minimum of 13 years before he can, uh, you know, try to go for probation. And that's 2029. And technically his children will be grown, if not close to being 18. So yeah. I was like, bro, not only do you miss a lot of their formative years, but then you, when you get out, they're going to be adults and it's going to be like a whole, like you relive the whole situation again. Like, ugh, that's going to be bad for him. It's but, probably um, the best that he course. has no relationship with his children. Like, of course, I yeah. agree. So during all this, of course, when um, Katie McLaughlin, uh, Jared Fogel's wife gets a moment to herself. She immediately, in the midst of him getting charged, uh, him getting arrested, charged, and sentenced, she files for a divorce. Um, ends up getting a settlement and a quickie divorce. She gets seven million dollars. Damn. Um, in his agreement for the plea and the restitution for the victims, he has to pay back one point four million. And there was fourteen victims. Why I didn't like this is because at first glance, 1.4 million seems like a lot until I learned there was 14 victims. He is reportedly worth 15 million. 
And that only goes out to $100,000 a victim. But Jared and Russell Taylor, like they did something like, it's just so unforgivable. And there's not really a monetary amount you can put on it. But what I don't like is that he was recording and videotaping. Well, Taylor was doing this, but Jared was receiving this and then sharing it for multiple years for and, and multiple children. Not only, and these are not just regular children. It, it's said in the court documents, Russell Taylor did provide, I guess, out of the country produced child pornography to Jared, but most of what he got were the recorded images of the people, the children in Russell Taylor's home. And those are children who were in his neighborhood, in his community. So not only does this man get your your privacy, this man, without you knowing, actually knows you in your real life. He knows where you live. He knows your parents. He might know what school you go to. Like, it's just... there was just no price to put on it. And I definitely thought that a hundred thousand dollars a victim was not enough, especially when his wife got 7 million, 1.4. This, uh, how much more, this man does not need to be left with assets when he gets out of prison. The shit should be liquidated. Yeah. And unfortunately those videos are probably still out there. Mm -hmm. And this is where subway I felt messed up. So the following year, Katie Sue Subway, his his ex-wife, basically alleging that they deceived her when they got all these complaints throughout the years of their partnership with Jared about his disgusting preferences and his activities and his lifestyle and didn't warn her and kept it secret and didn't do anything about it. And the courts through uh, some of Jared's text messages, the subpoena they got and they start looking through text messages, they find out that um, he was texting this woman named Cindy Mills. And Cindy Mills was a Subway franchise manager. And he had met her in like the early 2000s, probably around like maybe a year after he had met Rochelle. But he was having an affair with Cindy um, after having a, uh, I guess them having this on and off affair, he makes some comments to her about, I guess, getting with a cousin of hers saying that he had been with, uh, minor girls and this and that. And she contacted the subway office, like a, a high top executive. Like corporate. And, mm-hmm. And told her. And told them what Jared said in the relationship and gave him the proof and nothing was done. And that's kind of like a backhanded thing. I, I don't want to blame Cindy, but in a way, I'm just like, dang, did she only do one and she gave up when she didn't hear anything? But then it's like, well, if they're if they're not going to say nothing, of course, they're hiding it. So she doesn't want to put herself out there more and get caught up. But it's also like Subway, obviously, 2007, they weren't ready to give up on Jared. So they might have swept this under the rug. But Subway says that they don't have a record of this complaint even happening. Even this is what the FBI has found through Jared, uh, through Sleuth and the Jared shit. And it was so funny because when Jared uh, first got raided, 
Subway just says, well, you know, man, uh, we, we and Jared, Subway and Jared, has we've decided to mutually suspend our relationship. Oh. Right? But then as soon as he gets charged, they were like, uh, uh, Jared, Jared who? Yeah, Basically. now it seems like a cover-up to me. Now they have responsibility. Yeah, it was like, we we have already ended our relationship with Jared, but it doesn't say when. And just in July, you just suspended it, and it was a mutual agreement, which, no offense, what the fuck, mutual? Y'all were about to rebrand him. Like, the last, granted, it was animated, but they had done, they had released that animated Jared commercial that year before all this shit happened. So they were obviously still working together. They just didn't want anybody looking at them. And I thought that was uh, crazy that they thought that nobody was going to peep that. And just further evidence to prove that Subway ain't all about the right. What what happened in, in the last year uh, or two with them right now? They got fake tuna <laughs> and tuna. fake bread. <laughs> these, man, these people will sell you sugar bread and mystery meat and give you a child molester as your spokesperson they're not to be trusted <laughs> i'm just saying subway is not about the right so of course especially what you know now about them this is definitely something that they could have known and maybe they didn't know it completely but they definitely uh closed their eyes and plugged their ears yes in our opinion it does seem like there is a cover-up yeah, I just think that it was just a situation of them having a cash, a cash cow and not knowing how to actually deal with the scandal until it happened. And they just ignored it and said, well, ain't nothing happening now. It's cool. We'll let them go. But um, Katie sued Subway. It eventually gets dismissed because I guess she filed in Indiana and their business operations aren't even in Indiana Maybe they settled later because I would have moved to a different state and filed there. It wouldn't have mattered. But I feel like and, it would be hard to win that one. Like yeah. I get where she's coming from if Subway knew. But but I just um I'm about to wrap this up because it's been a long episode. But this is what I will say. Wrap it up. <laughs> this is how you honestly know that Jared Fogle and Russell Taylor are just terrible. Men, disgusting Sick. predators, unremorseful monsters who are just upset and sad that they got caught. One reason is that Russell Taylor was recording his own stepchildren. Oh, and oh, sorry, I forgot to say this. His wife was never charged, but the FBI had her on tape on one of those recordings, helping him hide cameras to record their niece who was reportedly six. Shut the fuck up. And that yeah. bum bitch knew about it. It's so crazy. So crazy. I don't know about Katie. Maybe, maybe she was completely in the dark. I don't know. But yeah, Russell Taylor's wife was, she was, she was nasty too. <sighs> she, she was definitely in on it. How, and maybe how they did with that? So, I feel like maybe it was not enough. Like you said, on the other tip, it wasn't enough to get a warrant out for her arrest or to really put a case on her. Or maybe they did some sort of exchange of cop to this, do this, and we won't touch your wife. I don't know. Russell Taylor has the audacity when he's in court 
to say a brief statement before, you know, his sentencing and says something like he, he, he was begging for leniency. He apologized to his victims and asked the judge to, quote, not allow me to rot in the landfill of lost souls with a lengthy prison term. The man who took people, took children's privacy and their innocence and violated them has the nerve to sit there and say not to rot in a landfill of lost souls. He's one of you couldn't find the soul if he had it. The things you took away from people and had the audacity to say that in front of a judge and then still apologize for your victims. And then on the other hand, you have with Jared, who did all that discuss, you know, all the business trips to uh, New York and Missouri and Kansas on these people and uh, having sex with escorts to open the gate to have sex with younger escorts. Once a victim files a civil suit against Jared uh, for personal injury and emotional distress, him and his attorneys have the nerve to counter sue her and basically say, what I, I didn't cause her personal injury and emotional distress. She was raised in a like an abusive type of household. Like in her household, they fought and drank a lot. And uh, her herself had done self-mutilation and was into substance abuse, like that victim blaming. But in court uh, saying that you, there's not a day that goes by that you don't think about what you've done to you, those victims and how you impacted their lives. Like it's all for show until, yeah. until your face is hidden and you can hide behind some court papers or behind a phone screen or behind your money and your influence. When you're barefaced and have to face your reality, you're crying to the judge about leniency and apologizing to victims and then go back to being a, just an asshole, victim blaming your um, your victim on something that you didn't cause, but you absolutely had a big hand in. I just thought that was interesting. These these white men, I don't know, Russell Taylor's completely white. He's a little white. But these white men are uh, doing this disgusting things to children and then having the nerve to say, I've been crying and I've lost my way with God. And I'm on the right path now that I, I've pled guilty and I'm going to serve my time. No, like y'all are disgusting people who would have still been in the cycle, still been doing what you did, how you did it, exploiting the people you did. If old girl didn't tip the state police officer, and then in addition, they can go back and get to Rochelle's leaked, well, I mean, not leaked, but her recordings and all the stuff that she had, and then go back through Fogel stuff and find out the complaint about Cindy Mills. It's like, anyway. I'm just yeah, saying. I think we can agree. They both should just rot in prison. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else to add about Jared Fogel? Uh, Jared Fogel um, is disgusting. He got beat up in prison because he thought he was all that. Uh, still didn't really learn his lesson, but I'm not mad at anybody who wants to put their hands on a, a smug child molester. Yeah, this was supposed to be a fun episode. and I can't believe you thought it was going to be fun. <laughs> I, <laughs> this was serious business. I, I guess. <laughs> I didn't really know that much into it. Yeah. You know, I know how to bring down a party. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, was de- it was definitely a heavy episode. But we do like to end every episode with some form of media that relates to us somehow, some way. 
Do you want to go first? Or should I? I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> Let me bring the potter down more. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, no. Um, this is gonna be a simple one. Uh so my media today is a different world. Uh, I was never a big fan of a different world growing up. I don't know why. Maybe I just wasn't interested at it. I knew some of the basic characters and what would happen because, you know, the famous couple, Dwayne Whitley, you know about Denise being the first season. Cree Summer, I forget her character, Freddie. Cree Summer because she's she's a great voice actor. She's voiced so many great animated characters. So I knew of the people in it, but I never watched it. And then like a few months ago, or maybe a month or two ago, A Different World was on HBO Max. And I was like, let me dive into this because I was always a Cosby show person. Uh, and <laughs> First of all, don't say that because you used to watch Cosby with me. You bringing that man up. <laughs> first of all. Have you no shame? I was not a Cosby show fan for Cosby. It was mostly Felicia. <laughs> but um, they took Cosby show out of rotation, which I completely understand. But uh, I wanted to get into, like, you know, another Black show that I hadn't got into. And uh, I kind of was on this thing of accept some shows and release others. And what I mean by that is that I've had this, like, list of certain TV shows I've always wanted to watch and get into. And for some reason... You, I don't know if you care anymore, but how I how I met your mother was one of them, and we always talked about it because you used to love how I, how I met your mother. I do. I still love it, and I think it's terrible. I finally watched, like, started to try to really watch that, and I was just like, "Nah, this is not it." So I was huh. like, "Let me just release this show." Well, I think America to- disagrees with you because it's a pretty popular show. Is it? But is it? It was when it was on. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's still pretty popular. I think it probably is. They're making but, um, How I Met Your Father. You a lot for real. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just heard that not too long ago. That's stupid. I think it has that one girl from Lizzie McGuire. Hillary Duff? That one. <laughs> I can't stand you. <laughs> <laughs> Lizzie McGuire? <laughs> but, um, I forgot what I was saying. So then uh, I said, let me watch uh, A Different World. Now, I did skip some episodes, but I pretty much did watch it in sequential or order. And it's great to watch what essentially inspired so many Black people to start uh, doing HBCU or going to HBCUs, even if you don't really admire or like the person who was the one who created it, which we know, of course, is Bill Cosby. Bill Rapist Cosby. Former funny man who we covered on episode one. And you bring him to me on episode 20? Okay. It's a flashback. <laughs> <laughs> but they had so many great moments, so many great episodes. Right now, I'm at the uh, the last season, season six. Jennifer Lewis is in that season. Jada Pinkett's in that season. Uh, just a lot of great storylines. It's really funny. And... You know, sometimes you got to be in a different mindset or different age. Or a different world. Damn, I didn't even know I was doing that. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I thought that's where you were leading. No, I actually wasn't. I'm was just trying to say that sometimes you got to be in a different like era in your life to appreciate something or like it. And while some of it is dated and some of it I don't even agree with, because I will tell you this, they come, uh, they on some episodes, especially talking about like racial issues or issues like with, they were talking about the AIDS or pregnancy and stuff like that. Some people have some really black and white theories. And I'm not so much about being so harsh on one side and more like melding together ideas. Uh, But that was just, you know, the 90s. And, you know, everybody was like, free your mind, speak your thoughts and all that shit. So I understand where they were coming from. But it's just a great show, especially um, a, a great black show, black characters, a lot of our future black superstars were in a different world guest starring on a different world and and it's just a good throwback to watch and sometimes it's heavy and it's teachable and sometimes it's just light and funny um i saw a different world long time ago i don't really remember any of the episodes yeah I just, it is a show i probably would watch but it's not anywhere near my list why not you racist <laughs> 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 uh, um, I, I could see that though yeah it's not you don't have to like it, it's just it's just like a cool little show you know get some get your history on watch some future some future i think it's just been watch the future. for me now <laughs> it's just been tainted for me that's what i thought really but as long as i didn't see bill cosby i was cool whereas the cosby show if i want to watch the cosby show you know i gotta stick to my five episodes otherwise i'm not watching any of that and yeah i haven't been able to watch it like once i started doing the research for the cosby episode we covered i just haven't been able to watch any clips damn boy (laughs) <laughs> I, yeah not even the wretched i know it i'll watch that clip to death <laughs> you ever had donuts <laughs> okay um anything more you want to add and about your thank media? you for listening no it's this is <laughs> it's my media asshole well, well i'm just saying i took over the whole episode why you there's no use in you talking i know i'm just to edit all my oohs and ahs out I, I will say this just for the listeners i know you're like you, you saw how long this episode was the plan was for both of us to talk i know so you guys will be doing paladine next week yeah sorry took up took up the blocks katrina <laughs> over talked <laughs> once um, again <laughs> once again <laughs> um my media okay you need to tell me if i did this media or not because i really can't remember okay is the movie the fourth kind. You know you did that one. Have I? No. It's okay. the fourth kind. Okay, I was really concerned if I did it. Like I was looking up other medias right now because I'm like, I think I talked about this. You have not done a Mila movie. Okay. That's what I was about to say. It stars Mila, what's her name? Djokovic? Is that yeah? Jovovich. Jovovich. Mila Jovovich or something like that. Fifth and, element woman. Yes. Um, Resident Evil. Oh, yes. Damn. That's her other one. It stars her and she's a psychiatrist in Alaska. And people start like telling her about these weird dreams and about these elves they're seeing. And it has to do with alien abductions. And it's a really good horror movie. If I feel like every horror movie now is like about demons or something. 
So it's something a little different. It's with the alien abductions. And it, you know, it's one of those things where it's like based on a true story. And, you know, it's obviously not. And it's actually, (laughs) (laughs) I loved it when it first came out. I haven't seen it in a while, but it like really scared me when it first came out. I'm thinking like, you know, oh, I would hate to be abducted by aliens because I personally think aliens are real. I don't know if they're abducting us, but they're definitely real. Um, Yeah, I think there's definitely a quote unquote alien life form. Yeah. And it does not have the greatest ratings. <laughs> I just looked it up and it has like 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. What's the audience score? I don't know how you look at that. Oh, usually they used to have it side by side, the, the critics in the oh, uh, audience score is 41%. Oh, damn, no better. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least they're closer to 50%. So some people did enjoy it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was scary. It has like those. It acts like it's like real footage and then a uh, reenactment of it. Not like a Blair Witch type of kind project. of, yeah. But mm. if you guys are interested in alien abductions or scary movies, I suggest it. Um, that's my media. I like the the scary movies that aren't too scary, like the original It and the Screams and the like first couple Elm Streets and stuff. Like I want to be scared, but I don't want to not be able to go to sleep <laughs> it to me it kind of makes you not want to go to sleep this one like it's not i don't know i guess if you believe in aliens it, that makes you not want to go to sleep just because mm, you might wake up with you. a probe or something yeah, yeah but i guess it can abduct you at any time if you think about it damn so, it's fucked up yeah oh real quick i'm gonna interrupt you hey favorite alien movie mars attacks hi I don't remember it, but I think this, besides the alien movies, this is my favorite alien movie. Yeah, you do love the aliens. My favorite horror movie in general. So I suggest you guys watch it and, you know, hit me up if you guys like it. And hit them up if you hate it. Yeah, hit me up. We had our first hate mail this week and I feel like we finally made it. Oh my gosh, you're going to tell them about it? No, I'm not going to entertain it. Um, I was going to shout her out. No, I don't want to show anyone out. I do think, though, this is a good time. If you don't like an episode, you know, you don't have to be mean about it. (laughs) I want you to be mean because I want to know how you really feel. No, I just think, like, we're going to talk about celebrities and some of them you are going to like. And it's not something that you have to be like, oh, you guys are horrible. It's like, oh, thanks so much. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like, yeah, tell us if you didn't like the episode, what you didn't like about it. But damn, (laughs) You ain't got to say we bitches. Yeah. I call or, us bitches. <laughs> if there's anything like we ever get wrong in our research, you'd be like, hey, um, this was actually this year or that happened this way. And we're like, oh, we can correct that. And so if you're like, you did horrible research, but have no way to like prove otherwise. And there's oh, just yeah. someone who was like really in love with Remy Mall. Surprise, surprise. Who knew <laughs> that could happen? <laughs> But that is our episode. It was a down one. Next week is Paula Dean. Yes. Um, thank you and guys then for you listening. Ain't gotta, you ain't got to be here for two hours for Paula. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, it's going to be a quick one next time. Um, if you want to reach out to us on Twitter, it's Save Your Sorry, but the your is spelled you are. If you want to send us your media and talk about it, tell us what you liked about it, recommend something, we can say it here. That is saveyoursorry at gmail.com. If you want to send us a dollar or two, that is the cash app. 
dollar sign Savior Sorry spelled just like the podcast. And our Instagram, it's Savior Sorry spelled just <laughs> like the podcast. I think that was all of them. Um, thank yeah. you guys for listening. It's been wonderful. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.